the What's on Reading podcast, brought to you with Atlantic Garden Media. Hello and welcome to the September edition of the What's on Reading podcast. And this month, we're doing things slightly differently because if you follow us, on social media, which I kind of hope you will do by this point. So that's on Twitter and Facebook at RDG What's On. But you'll know that last month in August, as part of Love Culture Week, we ran the World Cup of Arts, Culture and Heritage in Reading. As a Twitter event, as a Twitter poll, we had 64 organizations and venues included in this World Cup going through the the group stage, quarterfinals, semifinals, and indeed the final. And we have with us this month the four, well, we have with us three of the four highest ranking competitors in that tournament. And hopefully we'll be able to join by the fourth and indeed the winner of that tournament uh, remotely. But we have with us the second, third, and fourth place placements. So in reverse order, representing the Sainsbury Singers who came in at fourth place. We have Stephen. Hello. Hi, yeah. Third place went to Reading School Dance and joining us from RSOD, we have Josie. Hello. Hi, everyone. And joining us from our second place, our runner-up, which was Reading Abbey. And we have Joe. Hello, Joe. Hello, Damien. It's so wonderful to have you all here. The winner was South Street, uh, who we had on the podcast a few months ago anyway. Uh, we should hopefully be able to be joined by John from South Street, somewhat remotely from the rest of us with any luck. But with those of you who are here, I'd say in the room, but we're doing this virtually, but in the Zoom, as it were, we'll go through and say hello to, to each of you properly for the sake of our listeners who maybe don't know enough about who you all are, a little more about you all. So we'll start in fourth place and we'll work our way up. Stephen, Tell us a little bit about Sainsbury Singers. Sainsbury Singers are an amateur musical theatre group based in Reading. We've been around in Reading for uh, over 80 years now, performing musicals predominantly at the Hexagon. So we do one ve- one show a year at the Hexagon and then another show in the year at another venue. The last couple of years that's been at Leighton Park School. Yeah, so we've been around a little while. We've got probably a, a, a group of about 50 of us, about 30 on stage at any given time. And we've done some pretty amazing shows over the years, Beauty and the Beast, uh, Evita. Uh, most recently, we've performed Sweeney Todd and before that, Guys and Dolls. That's fantastic. And uh, and of course, you were due to be doing chess this year at the Hexagon, but that's all kind of... Yes, know. yes. We, we, we've come <laughs> to a grinding halt, unfortunately. Uh, and obviously, even professionally, ours has been one of the, the hardest hit areas of entertainment with no singing being allowed. And of course, with us, no socially mixing, which you know, most of our group really is about the social mixing as much as it is anything else. So yeah, we we, we, we can't rehearse at the moment because it's just not practical to get all of us in the same room. Chess was supposed to be on in May. We're hoping, fingers crossed, that we'll be able to get around to doing it at the Hexagon next May. We've got our slot booked still. It's an ever-changing environment and let's wait and see, see what happens. Yeah, quite. It's um, it's definitely uh, been a rough year for for everyone in our section of the community, and that's one of the reasons why the the World Cup was was so much fun because I, I think it was a way to engage everyone at a time when we couldn't actually engage with our yeah, favourite. Gave me an excuse to go out and hassle our audience. <laughs> you haven't had to buy any tickets off us this year, so give us a vote, will you? <laughs> 
I'm sure with 80 years worth of history, you didn't have to do that much hassling. And the fact that you got through to the third place playoff suggests that the hassling was yeah, no, know, it, it was good minimal to, effort. Good to see, uh, I'm, I'm not a, a massive Twitter user normally. I think my account probably tripled in its usage in that two-week period for the last... 10 years, to be honest. But no, it was good to see the amount of people who I didn't recognize at all from anywhere that, that, that were tweeting, retweeting, commenting and, and, and voting for us. So that was great. It was really good to see so much support from the community, which brings us nicely to our third place finalist, semi-finalist, quarter finalist. I don't know. I, our third place position, who probably even more so than the Sainsbury Singers had such a vociferous support fan base on Twitter. And that was the Reading School of Dance. I know from conversations I've had with, with various people, there are a few people who, who were kind of, I don't know who they are, but clearly they're very popular <laughs> for all those people and all of our other listeners. Josie, tell us a bit about who and what. Reading School of Dance is? So Reading School of Dance is a dance school based in Reading and we've been established since 2013. We provide mainly street dance and hip-hop dance classes but we also provide ballet and contemporary classes as well. Our aim at Reading School of Dance is to build the children's confidence up, to be able to give them performance opportunities and also to be able to help guide them onto a career in dance. So that's why we offer street dance and the ballet and help prepare them for a full-time college. We have a crew that does lots of street dance competitions and they've done really, really well. But at the moment, obviously, we can't do any of that. So, yeah. The shame. I've seen the uh, there's a, a video that you uh, you guys uploaded onto to Reading Culture Live, which is a fantastic way for people who who, who can't see you in person to see exactly the sort of thing that you guys are capable of. And uh, I mean that's that's quite the uh, the two extreme ends is ballet and street dance, isn't it? <laughs> if you want to go on to have a career in dance, you can only go to a full time dance college, which you will have to do ballet, you will have to sing a song. Um, unless you go to university, um, somewhere like UEL does a hip hop course, um, which is great. But I want to be able to make sure the students decide which college is best for them and to be as versatile as possible, really. That's great. I mean, versatility is, as you say, absolutely key. And there's a lot of other dance stuff. As we know, we added a whole dance category. Big shout out to Dance Reading, who uh, who reminded us that we'd missed dance off the first time around and who helped us go through the, the heartache of trying to narrow that down to four representatives of your category. Street dance is very much feels like it's it's kind of your thing compared to, to some of the other people, which is really good for you. And it gives people of focus yeah definitely and um, there's so many there's about over 150 dance schools in Reading the dance scene is absolutely massive it's just not many people are aware of just how amazing the dance scene is in Reading and dance Reading really does help get everyone all together puts on amazing workshops and everything that we need really they've just been the most amazing support Yes, dance ready. <laughs> and just for our listeners, you can probably hear that Josie is in a very echoey space right now because we're recording this ahead of her teaching <laughs> a class at one of her venues. So this is how dedicated we all are that actually in a, a big church hall ready to, I was about to say ready to pounce, but that's not quite not quite right. We're ready to, to start dancing pretty much as soon as we finish recording. We will move on to our third studio guest, 
studio. It's not a studio at all, is it? Uh, <laughs> third guest who's here representing our runner-up, narrowly defeated in the final, but massive support throughout the whole competition. And that was Reading Abbey, the Reading Abbey Quarter, the Abbey Ruins, the Abbey Gateway. And I will stop explaining all about it and let Joe tell you all about it. Yeah. Um, so I think we were the 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 oldest um, organization in the World Cup. And we made many jokes throughout, actually, that it, it was something we've been waiting for for almost 900 years. So Reading Abbey <laughs> was an extremely, an extremely important medieval monastery, one of the most important in England. And through various escapades in the 16th and 17th century onwards, it fell into massive uh, disrepair and ruin. And after lots of recent conservation work, the Abbey is once again, you know, reopened to visitors and part of the cultural life of the town, uh, both in person and online. And I think that was something that was so nice about the Reading World Cup is that it was just the kind of the variety of places that were that were competing. I mean, we, we were thrilled to be, you know, a medieval monastery running up against, you know, singers and dan- they were literally all singing and all dancing. <laughs> um, but, uh, there were quite a few other heritage organizations in the competition too who we who we dispatched expertly with the kind of menace of henry the eighth himself it was very fun and it was you know we had such a nice time being involved and and the support was amazing just for for everyone really it seemed such a, a nice spirited thing it really was good spirited and you say that the, the heritage things that you dispatched so in your group you defeated cavisham court and its gardens the university of reading special collections and the berkshire record office that's quite the variety of uh, of competitors to be up against <laughs> All, all um, wonderful though all all so oh, good yes um, absolutely like, like like joseph was saying about dance in reading there's such a wonderful heritage community here across i think the fact that we have this abbey in the heart of the town is just kind of emblematic of it you know but the, the collections at the, uh, the special collections are fantastic obviously you've got reading museum i also work for uh, and the merle as well yeah so a real real range it's one of the few places that people have actually been able to visit throughout this whole sort of period maybe not quite all of it but the fact that we do have fantastic as you say nearly 900 year old heritage yeah, site and this was its first world cup quite amazing isn't it <laughs> unless who knows maybe maybe the monks were were running their own thing they, they were up to lots of stuff so <laughs> but i wouldn't put it past them it's certainly i'm guessing it's not the first trophy that it's held but it is one that henry uh, the eighth will not be taking away so that's that's something no quite and and that leads us on to our next guest who will be joining us remotely, who did manage to do what Henry VIII didn't and thoroughly defeat the Reading Abbey. You say thoroughly, uh, wasn't it wasn't it literally like one percent the final? It was it was so it, tight. It, it was. It, it was <laughs> it indeed. Yeah. yeah. It was in fact it may even have been less than one percent. Yeah. So also joining us in a slightly different way is the winner of the Reading World Cup of Arts, Culture and Heritage, who couldn't join us for the main recording with everyone else because he's on such a busy press tour as the victor. Um, <laughs> or it may be for some other reason. The absolute winner, a very close winner, South Street. And representing South Street, we have John Luther, who is no stranger to the podcast, having joined us back in uh, March, I believe it was. How does it feel to have won the World Cup? Well, it was um, it was kind of extraordinary. Yeah, it was really great. Obviously, um, having the public vote is always a very nice thing to be able to to feel like you're 
contributing to Reading's cultural scene in, in such a way that you get that appreciation back. It's, re- it's been really, really lovely, really wonderful. It was a, it was a great day when we realised we'd won. It was all very intense, some of it. What were the sort of the emotions going through as, as you were looking at the kind of, when it was very sort of neck and neck at times, were you thinking you were going to win it? Well, I mean, what, you, the, well, the semi-final was the big one, wasn't it? Because uh, was that the closest one in the whole competition? Um, 0.5%, I believe. <laughs> yeah, well, we, um, we were losing pretty much the whole time through that and you know, fair play to Reading School of Dance they, they, they battled a great campaign and then just we seemed to come back at the end and uh, all our members kind of got behind us which was which was lovely for us and we kind of poked our nose into the lead and then I think it swapped again didn't it it's when Reading School of Dance went back into the lead and then we finally just pipped them at the post at the end so you know obviously that's the, a great thing there's loads of great cultural organisations all who had lots of support behind them so that was really wonderful I mean the vote count was fantastic wasn't it the amount of people who voted so it was tense and obviously we want to win but in at the same time it's all good fun and it's all great but it's putting a putting a spotlight on everybody I suppose yeah it really is and that is one of the the great things about the whole thing normally when we have our guests on the podcast we do a little bit oh tell us who about who you are what you are where you are what you do which we did with you all those months ago but what we can talk about you do have some stuff coming up even though the doors are still closed that's right. Yeah, we're really excited. So um, South Street's doors have been closed, unfortunately, since March the 16th, which seems such a long time ago now. But um, in the background, I've been working very hard with our resident artists to come up with ideas about for ways that we can present some work in a socially distanced way, in a way that's safe, that might might encourage people, even if they're a bit anxious, to be able to engage with culture again in a, in a safe way. And so we've come up with a couple of ideas which are actually responses to lockdown in themselves. We hatched these plans back in kind of May, June. The Arts Council uh, have, have funded the sh- these shows, which is great, but the, the journey on the way was quite one because uh, the Arts Council closed initially. They closed their project grants, which is what we would use to, to, to produce shows like these, to to distribute funds on an emergency basis to, to people, which was obviously great. But it reopened at the end of July. I slammed an application in. We found out <laughs> the end because we got the money. So that was great because uh, we are doing these two shows to only 20 people at a time. And as you can imagine, the financial viability of that is pretty, uh, well, it's not viable. So we needed the funding from Arts Council. So once we've got that, we've then gone into rehearsal. So we're creating two shows. One um, is about cycling through lockdown and it's being done by Cassie Friend, who's Artistic Director of Red Cape Theatre, one of our resident companies and she found cycling very important not only for physical but mental health and she also did some reading about women in cycling through through history so it's a show kind of about uh, now but it's also got a historic context and it should be funny and exciting and moving and um, and it's going to be staged at Palmer Park which is uh, of course if anybody knows is a stadium that has an athletics track but it also has a cycling track so it makes sense for the show and the other show is from two of our other resident artists who are making a show about isolation stories so people who through history have either self elected or have been forced into isolation so obviously then that read through the prism of what's happening at the moment and um, should have uh, quite a lot of uh, contemporary context and uh, resonance and that's going to be staged at South Street and we have come up with a very interesting way of staging that which I won't say any more about because it might spoil it but it will be safe it'll be very safe and again for 20 people at a time we should be announcing them very very shortly you heard it here first well thank you for squeezing some time into your busy busy schedule to talk to us and once again congratulations on winning the reading arts culture and heritage world cup i assure you the trophy is in the post (laughs) 
So I guess it's, uh, and we've kind of touched upon this as, we, as we've talked, but kind of what were your initial thoughts when you found yourselves in a World Cup and sort of your, your thoughts as, as the World Cup kind of went through? Uh, Sainsbury Singers got in as second chances, I believe. So um... You were, you were in the second chances group in, in the, the, the sort of the second round of first round, the bonus round, first yeah, round game. Yeah, almost group. a second thoughters, you could say, but anyway. <laughs> well, I, I, can, I can tell you that the, the group of us that kind of put the, the brackets together and uh, there were a few uh, groups where it was like, well, which one of these do we, do we have to cut? So when it came to, to being able to bring in four more groups, then having yeah. those who nearly made it first time round were in, and you were one of them. It really was yeah, a kind no, of... It was, it was brilliant. It, it was great to be given the chance. Fortunately, we've got a, a, a marketing team who are on the ball with social media, probably a lot more I, than oh, I am. On the ball, I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> so they picked it up uh, and suddenly you start finding on your Facebook page, you know, come on, vote for us, what's going on here then, and, and follow the links. So yeah, it was, it was nice to get a bit of enthusiasm back because obviously without rehearsals being on for probably the best part of three or four months by that stage you do a lot of things very enthusiastic at the beginning we had quiz nights on rehearsal nights and gradually that's i suppose started to, to dwindle off a little bit and there's other groups going on but it really got a lot of enthusiasm going all the membership were together we were out there we we're putting our name out there it was a great excuse to get our name out there for that we you know we thank you it was brilliant but yeah no it was it was really good fun like i say i couldn't believe we made it as far as we did really yeah i agree with Stephen that over lockdown, it was really, really hard to be able to promote your new classes and things like that. We couldn't take on any new clients, so it just really gave us that buzz. And just to be able to get people talking about Reading School of Dance, and it really did give myself a big burst of energy to go back in September when we're back in our halls, back in our venues, with so much energy and vibe and fight, it just brought it all back. So, yeah, thank you very much. Thank yeah. you for playing such a good tournament. I was just going to say exactly the same thing, really. I think it was just the kind of, when so much has been closed and, you know, participation in kind of the cultural life of the town has really, you know, been quite restricted during lockdown. I think it was, it felt very special, really, the way that it brought so many kind of diverse people together in a, in a way that, is just you know simply impossible with COVID restrictions in you know both two specific places and in terms of like the community of the town as well. I mean, I think we were we were we were surprised too because as, as pointed out, it, medieval abbeys do not usually compete in such uh, contests. I think uh, jousting was probably probably the last <laughs> the last sport or, or something along those lines that the abbey participated in. Yeah, no, it, it was it was really really special and. Uh, great fun i think we were doing great. all right against you actually joe in the uh in the quarterfinal until you until you brought in the merle and yeah i know the merle, we the merle, i know that i'm not i'm not sure how it works out really in terms i guess it's a bit like substitutes isn't it and it sort of felt a little bit like we the abbey quarter was was kind of kicking it about and then brought on a sort of social media lionel messi in the yeah, yeah pretty much the last few minutes uh yeah no but it was i enjoyed the the really kind of performative like the bravado elements of it as well i think it, it brought out a really nice i mean it, it felt very just very pleasant really very a very pleasant tournament and that's not often what you have with world cups i think it often gets quite heated and i don't think you know i think this was heated but in a nice yeah nice no way. it was yeah. brilliant brilliant it was, it was some good banter i'm, I'm a finance yeah. director in my day job so it gave me a great excuse to come up with a new spreadsheet which was brilliant <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so, so there I was, instead Amazing. of worrying about budgets and stuff for next year, which are just, you know, out the window. Let's not worry about that. It, it was suddenly looking at how many votes do we need now? Come on, guys, we're only two votes behind. And so bring in the Merle and suddenly it's a guy. Well, I'm, I'm a social media manager, so this is my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> suddenly went out the window. So, yeah, yeah it's good fun, though. Great fun. Really yeah. I suddenly realised I'm now on on this podcast with the two teams that defeated us in uh, in the uh, yeah. semi-finals and the third and fourth playoff. But never mind, you know, we're not bitter. I just want to talk about the semi-finals because I think that was probably the most heated part of the whole tournament, and and it was at the weekend, and my phone was just blowing up all weekend with the amount of people saying vote for this vote for that and just kind of keeping an eye on on how close things got and they were both semi-finals were were ridiculously close did you do we think it was because it was the weekend that that we managed to get that energy behind it or was it just because i don't know it just it was kind of a magical moment so i think with the actually with the weekend for us kind of as i mentioned like i'm a full-time social media manager so i work i work for the abbey quarter and i work for Reading museum and i do also work for the museum of english rural life so i controlled a kind of social media triumvirate with my abbey quarter hat on i think the fact that it was the weekend we we initially were thinking like oh well we me and um, i was i was chatting with with matt williams of reading museum and we were saying you know we're not going to go to all out because it is the weekend but then i think as soon as we saw that we'd fallen behind it was kind of a like, okay, now we are going to go at this. And Matt and I both texted each other within about 30 seconds to say that we just tweeted about the thing. And uh, yeah, no, it was, um, it's kind of funny because I think that if it hadn't been the weekend, I don't, I don't know. I think the fact that it was the weekend ended up ironically making us work more, even though it, that was not our first thing. I, I think there should be an investigation into the fair play rules here, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, all I can say is that the heritage organisations have each other's backs. Um, I think. <laughs> and, and, you know, don't forget that the Merle and Reading Museum were up against each other in the first round. Yeah, well, <laughs> did, so did Reading knock out the Merle? That's right, isn't yes. it? Yes. Reading Museum yeah. knocked out the Merle in the first round. Very close, yeah. but but yeah, that was that was a real that was a real emotional day for me, as could be. <laughs> it actually, it actually got me to a point of um, passing on tweets to uh, I suppose supposedly our competitors, saying, "Come on, get behind musical theatre in Reading, <laughs> vote for us." <laughs> so the likes of Reading Op, that of course I say competitors, but we're very close and we know know a lot of people over there. So come on, come on, guys, help us out. <laughs> Yeah, it felt almost like um, a, a few years ago, I say a few years ago, but there was that one year on the X Factor where it was a two finalists, one was from Scotland and one was from Wales, and the Scottish guy had all of Scotland voting for him, and the Welsh guy had all of Wales voting for him, <laughs> simply because of where they were from, and it felt a bit like that, just like, yeah. come on, musical theatre is now, we are your standard bearer, flag bearer, or, or, or what, what have you. Yeah, that, that sense of community, I think it really, really brought it out. I think we had nearly 9,000 votes throughout the whole tournament, which just goes to show just how many people truly cared about not just all of you, but uh, all all 64 teams. I'm doing inverted commas fingers, and this is audio only. The 64 competitors, there was just so much love coming through, and it was Love Culture Week, so it lived up to its name, I think. And that feels almost like a sensible place to wrap things up. So I just want to say a big thank you to all of my guests today, to uh, Stephen from the Sainsbury Singers, Thank you. Lovely. Thank you for having us on. To Josie from Reading School of Dance. Thank you. And to Joe from Reading Abbey and 
not so much today from the Merle and Reading Museum. <laughs> from as well. everywhere else. <laughs> from, from, from all good heritage sites near you. No, it was really it was really so much fun. So thank you for, for everything. Yeah. It was really good. Thank you from me to everyone for taking part and to all of you who voted within the tournament and to all of you out there for supporting arts, culture and heritage at a time when you can't otherwise support arts, culture and heritage in the way that we normally would. But we're continuing to do the best we can. Places are starting to gradually open up. Lots of things are being done online. Art finds a way and always will. We will be back again with more arts, culture and heritage finding a way next month. Thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe. The What's on Reading podcast was produced by Atlantic Garden Media.